Thursday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. We're also on iTunes and Spotify. If you want to listen to a podcast on your way to work or on your way home from work and you don't want to get pulled over with a Rumble video up on your phone, then check us out on iTunes and Spotify. Also, be sure to smash that like button. I see Suzette's in the chat. Sherry's here. Two of my most loyal listeners. And Suzette says happy 420. I didn't even realize it was 420 because I don't smoke no weed. At least not anymore. But yeah, happy to 420 to all you blazing patriots out there. Those of you that do celebrate. Now, what can I say here? I hate these PCAPs, man. <laughs> I hate the PCAPs, okay? I love Mike Lindell. I love my pillow products. But I hate these PCAPs, you know? And it's really hard uh, because I hate them so much. I hate them so much that some people often misconstrue um, that as me taking a jab at Mike Lindell or something like that. And I want to make it very clear before we get into this. That I truly do love and respect Mike Lindell and believe he's a great patriot and that his heart is and has always been in the right place. But that's a whole different story when you talk about Dennis Montgomery and these PCAPs, okay? Mike Lindell, first of all, has put up millions of dollars of his own money funding attorneys in pretty much every election contest, including Kerry Licks. I mean, he's, he's paid for all of her attorney fees Every step of the way, Mike Lindell has given a platform to the grassroots movement and every election integrity activist to put election fraud evidence on a massive platform, giving podcasts to people on on Frank's speech and, and Lindell TV. The man has done so much. I truly love and respect the man. But these PCAPs, my stance has been for a very long time since shortly after the cyber symposium in Sioux Falls, Minnesota. That it was, it, it was all a hoax, an elaborate ploy, a disinformation campaign to discredit people like us. And those of you that have followed me for a long time know that I took a lot of flack for that when I said that. Like, during this symposium, I was putting posts out on Telegram saying that these PCAPs are a disinformation campaign. Now, where did that information come from? Well, I got a phone call, and the, <clears throat> I started questioning the PCAPs. And somebody saw that and reached out to me, phoned me up, and gave me an entire briefing about how they were in contact with somebody in the uh, either former NSA or somebody in the intelligence apparatus, right? And this person told them that the PCAPs were a nation-state-level disinformation campaign, and they were um, <clears throat> they they originated. In the Mitt Romney camp, it was a contingency plan that they always had in place if they were ever caught rigging an election, right? They had this on the back burner. If they were ever caught rigging an election, they would come out with this PCAPs thing, and it would be a way to distract through the narrative that it was foreign interference, so everybody would be focused on foreign interference rather than the domestic bad actors that, that rigged the election here, uh, the, the Democrats in this election, and basically what it would be is a way to rope everybody into this gigantic psyop, get everybody to buy in. All the people with credible uh, claims of election fraud would be <clears throat> um, collateral damage as this whole thing blows up into a big bubble and then bursts as it's debunked and then everybody is is discredited as a byproduct. So, you know, after learning this, I tried to sound the alarm and tell people, guys, don't don't buy into this. You know, distance yourself from it. But nobody really listened. It kind of fell on deaf ears. <clears throat> and uh, a lot of people said I was an FBI informant and I was a CIA asset or, you know, something like that. Right? But now we have this. Okay, take a look. My Pillow CEO, Mike Lindell, ordered to follow through with $5 million payment to expert who debunked his false election data. The Washington Post, Mike Lindell's firm, told to pay $5 million in Prove Mike Wrong Election Fraud Challenge. The Rolling Stone, CBS, the list goes on. The media is lapping this up right now. And so here's what happened. So you had uh, the Sioux Falls Cyber Symposium. Mike Lindell 
told all these cyber experts from around the country and I think around the world, made a $5 million offer. All right, he said, I got these PCAPs. They prove the election was stolen, that China hacked into virtually every Dominion machine in the country, and we captured, intercepted the data using hammer and scorecard technology, which we later we later found out it was all, you know, Dennis Montgomery made these claims and, and convinced Mike Lindell to go along with it. And so Mike Lindell invited everybody there and offered $5 million if they could prove that the data did not come from the 2020 election. That was the stipulation, right? <clears throat> and so there was a guy who went there and apparently, you know, the, the Mike Lindell's team, they gave out some files that they said were PCAPs. It was a handful of files. And this guy, he, his name was Robert Ziedman, Z-E-I-D-M-A-N, a supposed Trump supporter who said that during the symposium, he got this handful of files from Mike and none of the files contained PCAPs. So he proceeded to write up a 15-page report proving that the data was not actually from the 2020 election and then presented his findings at the end of the symposium. But what he said is that Dr. Frank and, and some other guy uh, said that he failed to prove that the data was not from the 2020 election and therefore he was not entitled to the $5 million. So this guy was pretty pissed and he decided to take them to arbitration over it and made a case that uh, not only was he entitled to the $5 million, but that Mike Lindell was guilty of setting up a rigged contest that was unwinnable. Uh, that the, the game was rigged from the start, and accused Mike of violating consumer fraud laws in Minnesota. And so that's been going on for a long time, and now the arbiters have reached a final decision. The panel found <clears throat> that because Mike never gave them PCAP data, Mike has to pay $5 million. Right? <clears throat> um, however, as far as the consumer fraud uh, claim goes, they decided that Mike Lindell did not violate any consumer fraud laws okay now again all this guy had to do was prove that the data he was given at this symposium was not from the 2020 election and apparently according to this arbitration panel he was able to do that <clears throat> now if you remember after the symposium or during the symposium mike lindell said he was attacked in a hotel room and then we then we heard that there was a FBI informants that had infiltrated the whole thing. And we also heard that there was a poison pill in the data, right? Because there was clearly something not right about the symposium. We were told that the cyber experts were going to drill down into the data and we were all going to see proof of foreign interference. And then all of a sudden, we moved away from the PCAPs. And then Josh Merritt I, apparently was recorded by somebody there saying that this doesn't actually prove he, Josh Merritt said the data they were given doesn't prove foreign interference and then they ran a story at the Daily Beast and, and the Washington uh, Washington Post <coughs> saying Josh Merritt uh, one of Mike's red team members said that this this is bogus and then Mike Lindell accused Josh Merritt of being a traitor to the country who, by the way, Josh Merritt is a veteran. He was in Afghanistan and Iraq. He was blown up. Um, you know, the, the the dude. I think I thought that was pretty. I thought that was a pretty bad. Let's just say that was a pretty bold claim of Mike to make that Josh Merritt was a traitor for simply saying what we were given doesn't prove foreign interference. <clears throat> but nonetheless, we were given endless excuses as to why we were never shown the actual PCAPs. And, um, you know, then a year later, we had the Moment of Truth Summit where we were told that, okay, so here's why we never got to see the PCAPs because actually it turns out that Dennis Montgomery, the creator of this hammer and scorecard technology, he was a former defense contractor and the former DNI Negroponte actually put somewhat of a gag order over his, uh, you know, they said that this was the property of the United States government and therefore to disclose the PCAPs would be a violation 
of that standing order from the former DNI. To which I said to myself, okay, wait a second. If there was a standing order in place (laughs) this entire time, dating back like 17 years, well, then why did we have that cyber symposium a year ago where Mike offered $5 million to any cyber expert that could debunk the PCAPs? I mean, that that never really made a whole lot of sense to me. But nonetheless, the, the point I'm trying to make here is it could be that Mike Lindell and Dennis Montgomery have the goods, right? And these, these, these reasons for why we can't see them may be true. But at the end of the day, the fact remains that the cyber ex- experts that attended that symposium in Sioux Falls in August of 2021 were not given PCAP data. And I know that not just from this guy, but because I talked to three or four of the cyber experts that attended the symposium, and they said, I mean, we were given, like, white noise. It was, it was a hex dump, a hexadecimal dump of a bunch of gibberish. And it wasn't the terabytes of data that Mike Lindell said we were going to get. And they told us that we were going to get some sort of tool to decrypt this information, but they never gave it to us. And they also told us that Dennis Montgomery is going to show up and he's going to give a presentation and break it down and walk us through how to decrypt all this or something like that. And and Dennis Montgomery never showed. In fact, he said that he had a stroke and he was in the hospital. So the point is, whether or not the PCAPs are real or not, um, I guess remains to be seen. I don't believe in them. I've never believed in them. But... The, the, the fact remains that this cyber expert went to the symposium. He was promised to be given PCAPs from the 2020 election. And it turned out that, uh, well, he wasn't given the data. All right. So therefore, Mike Lindell breached the contract by not paying him the $5 million. And this was determined by a panel of, of arbiters in arbitration. Now, Mike Lindell has already said to the media that he plans to fight this. You know, he plans to take this to court and challenge this. And my hat's off to you, Mike. My hat's off to you. But don't you guys think that it's a a strange coincidence, right? That in the same week that Fox News settles a defamation lawsuit with Dominion, in that very same week, we learn that Mike Lindell has to pay $5 million dollars to one of the experts who supposedly debunked his PCAPs. So now you have two stories running in the same exact week that sort of lend credibility to the left and the mainstream media that have been saying that claims of election fraud are baseless conspiracy theories. Do you see how this is... This is this is why I... I this only confirms my previous suspicion that the PCAPs were a gigantic psyop because the media is lapping this right up right now like a bunch of dogs you know my stance was always Mike got conned by Dennis Montgomery you know this guy Dennis Montgomery is notorious for allegedly conning the Pentagon with some sort of software that he said could track al-Qaeda terrorists and his uh, technology ended up in this gigantic false alert and they ended up grounding a bunch of planes because of data provided by Dennis Montgomery so he was he was coined the man that conned the Pentagon <clears throat> then he actually um, got involved with Joseph uh, Sheriff Arpaio in Arizona who was looking into Obama's birth certificate and Sheriff Arpaio was working with this private investigator Mike Zulo And they were looking into Obama's birth certificate. Well, here comes Dennis Montgomery, and he comes in and says, I can prove that Obama's birth certificate is a fake using this technology that I have that can scan the birth certificate and identify, you know, markings that 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 indicate that it's a fake. Right. So he got Sheriff Arpaio to pay tens of thousands of dollars for this technology and. So Dennis Montgomery sent them some sort of attachment in an email, and it was some sort of a demonstration where they ran ran the technology on the birth certificate, and it produced all these markings on the birth certificate and all these indicators that it was a fake. And they said, wow, so 
Dennis Montgomery just proved that Obama's birth certificate is fake. But then they got a little suspicious. And so what they did was <clears throat> they took Dennis's software and they went they went and to the .gov website to obtain an official copy of Obama's birth certificate. And they decided to run the software on that copy of his of his birth certificate. And what happened was nothing. Nothing. The the software didn't generate anything. So they determined that what he did was create a smoke and mirrors act, an elaborate hoax to con them out of tens of thousands of dollars. And I spoke with Mike Zulo, and Mike Zulo ran me through 10, 20 different cons, scams, schemes, um, extortion attempts from Dennis Montgomery. And, I mean, just wholeheartedly convinced me this dude is a total fraud. And so I believe Mike Lindell got conned by this guy. He's a genius. Dennis Montgomery is a super genius. But he's, he's not a good guy. And not to mention, the guy, he was uh, caught passing bad checks, like a lot of bad checks, and he had felony charges over his head. And the belief is that this guy became an FBI asset to try to clear his name of those charges. And so that so there's people that believe he's he's working for the FBI. I mean, he had a case pending with no action for a period of like over a decade there was no movement in that case for over a decade which is unheard of so there there's there's a lot of people that have reason to believe this dude's not to be trusted he's an fbi asset (coughs) and so i never trusted dennis montgomery at all but so now we have this with the pcaps now we have yet another reason for the media to claim that uh the dominion machines are safe and secure Anybody that's questioned them or challenged them is a conspiracy theorist. And we're going to have to work 10 times harder in this information war with this new narrative, given what happened with Fox News and now what happened with Mike Lindell. So we're going to have to work 10 times harder. And I'm willing to do that because we have no choice whatsoever. But I would suggest people to distance themselves from the PCAPs as much as possible. I, I believe the PCAPs themselves are the poison pill. Not that there's a poison pill in the PCAPs and that's why we can't see them. I believe the PCAPs themselves are a poison pill. Now, so what we've got is a, a, is a story that's not very positive, but I have another story which actually is a pretty big win and it involves Konek and True the Vote. Before we get into that, make sure to smash that rumble button and check out NickLovesGold.com, baby. With the war in Ukraine, inflation going through the roof, and the country being $32 trillion in debt, things are not looking too good for the future. And with the recent bank bailout, it's really looking like 2008 all over again. And it could get a lot worse. So don't wait until it's too late. If you have $50,000 or more saved for retirement, then talk to our friends over at Gold Co. They're patriots like you and me, and they've already helped thousands of Americans use an IRS loophole to protect their retirement savings from everything that's going on. Visit nicklovesgold.com right now to get your free IRS loophole kit and see how you could protect your retirement savings. You could get up to $10,000 in free silver just for doing it. We could be looking at a future worse than 2008, so don't wait. Go to nicklovesgold.com. That's nicklovesgold.com. All right, so Tracy Beans posted this on Twitter saying this was filed in the Konek versus True the Vote case. And what this is, is uh, Konek and True the Vote both agreeing to drop this defamation case, which was filed originally by Konek against True the Vote. Now, Greg Phillips announced the big news on Truth Social, and I had a chance to text him uh, about this this morning. Now, if, if you don't know what we're talking about here, remember, Konek is the Michigan-based election software provider <clears throat> they provided this software called poll chief and true the vote alleged that they were storing personal identifying information of poll workers on an unsecure server in wuhan china and it was a, a crazy amount of poll worker data like 1.8 million poll workers and the data included their social security numbers their birthdays their addresses their children's names a lot of personal identifying information <clears throat> and the fact that this poll chief software was being stored on an insecure server in China 
meant that the Chinese government had access to that due to the laws in China. And this pole chief software included the schematics of the boat centers where the Dominion machines are located and uh, the security of the building and all that stuff, right? And so, so True the Vote accused them of storing all this on an unsecure server in Wuhan, China. And they said that they went to the FBI and tried to get the FBI to investigate, but the FBI ended up accusing them of stealing the data and obtaining it illegally. And then shortly after, Konek filed a defamation suit against True the Vote, accusing them of being racist, xenophobes, big lie uh, conspirators, and saying the whole thing was untrue. And the mainstream media backed them up on that. Well, after the pit, where they brought a bunch of journalists into Arizona in this hot room with no AC (laughs) and briefed them on this situation... There was a lot of investigative journalists, including Kanakoa the Great and many others, that exposed the fact that there was endless connections between the company's CEO, Eugene Yu, and China, and that it appeared very clearly that they were, in fact, storing PII data on a server in Wuhan. Then you had the district attorney in L.A. arrest Eugene Yu for the same exact thing. Okay, so the truth became pretty much undeniable that this company was compromised by China. And suing them, suing True the Vote for defamation turned out to be a really, really stupid move. <clears throat> so now they've dropped the case. And uh, both parties have agreed to it. And so I reached out to Greg to find out, you know, what what's the deal here? What changed? And it turns out it's 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 because of a number of things. The main reason being that everything they said was true, and that's been proven time and time again, but also because they were about to enter the discovery phase, and Konek knows that they're screwed. Also because the judge wanted to do an investigation and look into the server data that was taken by the Los Angeles District Attorney. Remember, when the the L.A. District Attorney arrested Eugene Yu and extradited him from Michigan to L.A., they... They took all the computers, all the servers, and they took that as part of an investigation. Well, this judge actually wants to look at the servers, and so Konek knows that they've got them dead to rights. There was also a whistleblower that came forward last week, and we talked about this on Locals, who claimed that he worked for Konek and personally witnessed the company using Chinese contractors in Wuhan to develop its software. And that the, the PII data of poll workers was actually, in fact, being stored on Chinese servers. He also claimed, this this whistleblower also claimed that Eugene Yu <laughs> asked this guy to make a campaign contribution to Jocelyn Benson in Michigan using his name, which he knew would be a violation of campaign finance laws and refused to do so. But he says, Eugene Yu (laughs) tried to get him to make a contribution to Jocelyn Benson. All right. So this is a guy that worked for Eugene Yu and confirmed everything that True the Vote said in a sworn affidavit that was submitted into this case. So Konek's looking at this. uh, You got the judge wants to look at the server data. You got a whistleblower. Okay. You've got all these investigative journalists that have proven that you're connected to China. And you filed a defamation suit saying all of that was a lie. So they've decided to drop the case. And the reasons are obvious. Now, I can't confirm this yet. But I have reasonable suspicion that True the Vote is going to file a countersuit against Konek. And they 100% should. Considering all the damage that Konek has caused to their reputation and all the attorney fees that they've had to pay... They should be entitled. They should file their own defamation suit. Right? And, and and here's another thing, and I can't confirm this either, but apparently the L.A. District Attorney, who, by the way, I forgot to mention, randomly dropped the case in the middle of the investigation. Well, apparently they've reevaluated and reassessed the situation and are planning to re-arrest Eugene Yu in the near future. Okay. So they've been completely vindicated, and they've they've incurred a lot of 
damages and attorney fees, and I think they should turn around and countersue Konek and Eugene Yu. All right, so there's that. Now, again, be sure to smash that rumble button. We've got uh, 276 people watching, 34 rumbles, and two dislikes. I mean, what are these people? I got like five, six dislikes on the video yesterday. We've got an influx of trolls, okay? we got an influx of trolls, and we have to... We have to fight back, and the way to do that is by clicking the <laughs> clicking the like button. Okay, now let, I I I caught these two stories, Konek and the one about Mike Lindell this morning. Okay, so originally I wanted to do a show talking about the Restrict Act because David and Aaron Clements from New Mexico, uh, they're warriors for election integrity. Aaron Clements specifically sent this to me last week, and it blew my mind. Okay, we've all been talking about this this Restrict Act and how it's basically a digital Patriot Act. It's it's some others have called it 1984 on steroids, which I actually like better because I think it's more accurate. This Restrict Act is far worse than the Patriot Act if you really look into it. This is a bill that would allow the Biden administration, the executive branch, to declare digital warfare behind closed doors without notifying Congress or even... They don't even have to notify Biden, for that matter, for a period of 15 days. They can determine that any nation is an adversary and a national security threat for any arbitrary reason on a moment's notice without notifying Congress and effectively declare cyber warfare on another country. That's pretty problematic in and of itself, and is a violation of the separation of powers. Now, in this bill, they already list the, our adversaries, including China and Russia. And one thing we know is that everything that the regime doesn't like is because of Russia. Okay, We've seen them use Russia as a way to justify government overreach. <coughs> <coughs> Whew, I need to take a sip. So many different times. You already know where this is going. But um, this bill would allow the government to, to, to spy on everything you do on the internet, your private messages, uh, literally everything you do, under the guise of protecting national security. And they also wield the power to shut down any app, any website, any communication platform that they deem is controlled by a foreign adversary. Because what this bill does is it says that they have the, the, the ability to mitigate the national security threat by any means they deem necessary. They can take any action whatsoever. So you can imagine, they would target things like Telegram and Twitter. And especially with the recent Pentagon leaks, they're obviously going to target various chat apps uh, like Discord. You know, and, and they could also, you guys have to be aware of, where this goes. They could come up with some arbitrary reason to say that Rumble is controlled or influenced by Russia and is therefore a national security threat and completely shut down Americans from accessing this site. It is a, it is a complete and total violation of the First Amendment. And it also even reaches into your home surveillance system, your security cameras, your ring doorbells. They can come up with any reason to spy on you anything that connects to the internet they would then have access to <clears throat> and it says that again they can take any measures to mitigate the threat necessary so illegal searches and seizures imprisonment fines etc in fact it's explicitly written in this bill that if the government uh, were to block something let, let's say they blocked rumble and then you were to try to use a VPN to try to access it then you could be criminally prosecuted and face a minimum of 20 years in prison for using a VPN to use Rumble. That's how bad this is. I can't overstate enough how scary this bill is. And uh, Tracy Beans posted something on Twitter, which I found interesting. Tracy Beans strikes again. That's two posts from Tracy Beans in one show, where she says, I want to state that I firmly believe the Restrict Act was drafted because this lawsuit will be successful. And she's referring to the Missouri versus Biden case, 
which it, they're they're suing the federal government, these attorney generals, for uh, uh, violating the First Amendment. And that lawsuit is going pretty damn well. They're kicking ass. And it's likely that they're going to win. So what Tracy Bean's theory here is this Restrict Act is like a plan B. That if this lawsuit is successful, they're going to codify into law the ability for them to continue to do the same thing. And I really think she's on to something. Because look, we already know that the government is spying on us and censoring us through big tech. Elon just admitted to Tucker Carlson that the DOJ has had unfettered access to your DMs for a long time. And we can assume that applies to your Gmail account, your Instagram account, your Facebook messages, because we know that they're all in on it. In fact, especially Google and Facebook, because those are CIA operations through and through. But we've got this Missouri vs. Biden case, which targets the government for illegal censorship, and they're getting their ass kicked. So Tracy has a theory that they're drafting this bill as a plan B, and I think that she's right. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> the reason I brought this up, because we've already talked about the Restrict Act, is how this could also impact elections. All right, so the Gateway Pundit has a story about this, and this was um, Aaron Clements. She contributed to, to this. I think she found this in the Restrict Act. <clears throat> so check this out. In the Restrict Act, it says, Section 3 of the proposed legislation gives the federal government this extremely broad power over elections. So, <clears throat> the secretary is authorized to and shall take action to identify, deter, disrupt, prevent, prohibit, investigate, or otherwise mitigate, including by negotiating, entering into, or imposing and enforcing any mitigation measure to address any risk arising from any covered transaction by any person or with respect to any property subject to the jurisdiction of the United States that the secretary determines. Now, here's two specific uh, pr provisions. Interfering in or altering the result or reported result of a federal election and also coercive or criminal activities by a foreign adversary that are designed to undermine democratic processes and institutions or steer policy and regulatory decisions in favor of the strategic objectives of a foreign adversary. Now, that second part, that's the really concerning one because that's so broad, right? Coercive or criminal activities. All right, so, so coercive activities by a foreign adversary that are designed to undermine democratic process and institutions. That could mean anything. This would allow them not just to spy. Okay, not... Now, we already know, again, that <coughs> the, the federal government has already infiltrated our elections, right? Obama, his administration, at the, at the end of his administration, he determined that election equipment is critical infrastructure, okay, which allowed them to weasel their way into state elections and set up these Albert censors, which we've already talked about, monitor 98% of every vote cast in the country. All the local network traffic gets piped over to uh, a central location in New York. And this CIS, which is an, uh, an arm of the DHS, it's a nonprofit funded by the DHS, is monitoring all election day traffic and all election data in real time, every election. And so they've, they've already got that set up. They already have CISA. CISA, the Cyber Infrastructure Security Agency, monitoring internet activity and censoring people. And they say that they, they, they have the authority to do this in order to mitigate election interference from Russia on the internet. Right? So they're already, they've already weaseled their way in. But the reason this is concerning is because the provisions in this Restrict Act would codify into law that the government needs to do this. They need to monitor everything you're doing on the internet. They need to spy on the local election network. So while we're out here 
trying to fight to get rid of these Albert sensors. They're trying to make it law that they have to be there. So this would make it that anybody that tries to oppose the government overreach would be unable to do so. You, at that point, you wouldn't be able to get rid of the Albert sensors. Elon Musk would have to allow the DOJ to read your DMs and ban accounts that they say are trying to undermine democratic institutions. So this is frightening, guys. This is, this is extremely concerning, and we have to fight this. This is the most important issue right now by far. There's a lot of other things we could talk about, but it's certainly more important than a tranny on a beer can. Because this is worse than the Patriot Act, guys. It really is. And right now, this bill is making its way through the Senate with wide bipartisan support. Anytime you see Democrats and Republicans coming together on a unified front to protect us, you better be scared. And as you know, they, they're, they're trying to use the momentum of the fact that Repu- Republicans hate TikTok as a way to justify their support for this bill, despite the fact that it has nothing to do with TikTok whatsoever. And so you've got Senator Lindsey Graham, Mitt Romney, uh, Susan Collins. There's a whole list of rhino senators that have all endorsed this bill. So it, it, it's almost certain that this is going to pass the Democrat-controlled Senate. And it's also possible that this bill could pass the House, considering the amount of rhinos we have in the House that have already supported this bill and the slim majority that Republicans have. So this is scary stuff, and the only thing we can do is raise awareness and make it known to our elected officials that we oppose this bill. So I actually found a template letter, which is is, is sort of a... It's, it's a thing you can copy-paste and send an email to your representative. And I put it in the description, and it goes as follows. You can, you can uh, change it, reword it, whatever you want to do. But it says, Dear Senator slash Congressman, I write to draw your attention to an incredibly dangerous proposal that is currently in the Senate. Bill number S-686. Under the guise of protecting Americans from the Chinese app TikTok and without delving into the specific offending language, Senator Warner's Restrict Act blatantly violates at least the First and Fourth Amendment of the Bill of Rights, as well as the separation of powers doctrine and several other U.S. legal norms. In short, the potential for abuse, if this bill is passed into law, is staggering and has been coined by pundits and commentators as the Patriot Act of the Internet. As such, I strongly urge you to reject any and all iterations of this bill and to urge your colleagues in both the House and Senate to do the same. Thank you for your attention to this vitally important matter. Yours truly, your name. Okay, that is in the description of this video. So all you have to do to do your part and make it known that you oppose the Restrict Act is to just copy that letter. Put your senator's name or your congressman's name. Put your name at the end of it and click send. It takes two seconds. I did it this morning after finding this template. Literally took me two seconds. And you can add in there, you know, if you really want to be bold, we want to stay nice, but if you want to be bold, you can add in there that if you do not reject this bill, then I will oppose you in the primaries. I will vote for your opponent in the primaries. Okay, because if you live in a district that's not contested whatsoever, then the only way to hit them is by saying you'll support their opponent in the primaries. So you can add a little bit of your own language in there, make it your own. But I, I made it so easy for you guys. All you have to do is copy and paste that bad boy. All right? Again, be sure to smash that like button. We're going to move on to talking about RFK officially announcing his 2024 campaign yesterday and giving a two-hour speech, which I listened to this morning. And I got to say, man, all right, I, even though this dude is a Democrat, (laughs) and I know for a fact there's a lot of things I disagree with him on. For instance, his stance on abortion, his stance on the Second Amendment, and the fact that he was an environmental lawyer for his entire life and supports a lot of the Green New Deal BS. Apart from all of that, as far as his speech goes, 
and everything you said in recent history, there are very few things that I disagree with RFK Jr. on in terms of policy. And in fact, if Trump weren't in the picture, I might even vote for the guy. That's how much I like RFK Jr. so far. Um, in fact, I think I would vote for him over DeSantis, to be honest. You know, because this guy's a populist. He's not part of the Uniparty. He's not backed by globalists. And he's speaking to the people. Now, let's think about that for a second. You've got me, a registered Republican, even though in my heart I identify as an independent. I hate the Republican Party, but I want to vote in the primaries. A registered Republican, a Trump supporter, that says he would vote for a Democrat if Trump wasn't in the picture. I think that's saying something, right? And the reason I feel that way is because this guy's not a typical Democrat. Okay? He's an anti-establishment populist, like Trump is. And he's speaking directly to the people and the issues that really matter. You know, his whole platform is about how the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. That the government is lying to us, they're bending us over backwards, they're screwing us, and the media is doing the same thing. You know, the media is owned by the regime. All the big corporations are in bed with government, and he talks about, you know, this crony capitalism where you have the the government enriching big pharma, enriching big tech, um, paying the mainstream media to do its bidding, bailing out big banks. You know, big pharma gets protection from liability, and the government tries to mandate you to take the jab while big pharma corporations get rich, right? <laughs> we have socialism when it comes to big business. But when it comes to the working class, middle America, we are getting screwed. And this destruction, this systemic destruction of the middle class, that's his whole platform. And there's not a single person that I know that would disagree with that, that that's happening, no matter which side that you're on. Even if you support Trump, you have to admit that we just watched the greatest wealth transfer in the history of mankind under the Trump administration. And then we watch Biden take over and destroy our energy independence and destroy the economy and bail out the big banks while he tells all of his stupid voters that he's for the working class American. You know, RFK has a way of cutting through the bullshit on both sides. You know, both both Democrat and Republican. And by the way, before we go any further, there's a lot of people that think RFK and Trump are going to be on the same ticket, that Trump's going to pick RFK as his running mate. I want you to be aware, I posted a video on Telegram where RFK actually blames Trump for the lockdowns and for the greatest wealth transfer in American in, in human history. He says, you know, Trump... He blames the bureaucracy around him for misleading him on the lockdowns, but at the end of the uh, at the end of the day, he blames him because he was the head honcho at the time, and there were things that he could have done differently. He also criticizes him over Operation Warp Speed, and it just basically negligence during the whole COVID nineteen pandemic. So he's 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 not just criticizing Joe Biden; he's criticizing Trump as well. He also talks about how Trump kicked him off of a vaccine safety commission and took a million dollars from Pfizer and all this stuff. Now, I'm not saying I agree with RFK and blame Trump for the lockdowns because I really don't. Really, he left it up to the individual states. And you can imagine the backlash that he would have gotten for, I mean, like, like imagine what they would have said. Trump would have been blamed for all the deaths. In hindsight... It really doesn't matter, though. So I'm, I'm a little conflicted. But the point is, I'm just trying to make the point that I don't see an RFK Trump ticket. I just don't see it. You know? I, I just don't see them becoming allies because he's critical of Trump just as he is critical of Biden. But this dude's going to be a force to be reckoned with. You know? I have a hard time believing, however, that th they would ever allow him to win the Democrat nomination... I foresee, you know, a Bernie Sanders type of treatment where they're going to rig it against him. 
But this dude's going to be a problem for the Democrats on the debate stage. <laughs> you know, if, if Poopy Pants Joe decides to run, he's going to get massacred and publicly humiliated because this dude knows their game inside and out. He's been fighting the, the, the federal bureaucracies for 50 years, and he knows how fraudulent the Democrats are. You know, there's still this sleeping population of Democrats the old school Democrats that still believe they're voting for the party of JFK. Ironically, that's his uncle. But, it, it, you know, the party of JFK is long gone <laughs> and they haven't realized that yet. There's still a lot of people that think that the Democrat party is for the working class people and they're, they're against corporate interests. They're for the little guy. But, it's becoming increasingly clear. Even the stupidest Democrat is starting to realize that the Democrats, all they're doing at this point is trying to distract everybody with this identity politics, woke BS and diversity hires in Biden's cabinet. Look how many gay people we hire. Look how many black people we hire. They're trying to distract you with all that from the fact that they're lining their own pockets, enriching the corporations and infringing on all of your rights. They're not for the little guy. Okay? People are starting to realize that. And and both sides are doing the same thing. You know, it, it's one big party. It's all, it's all one big club, and you ain't in it. You know, the left is pushing identity politics, and the right is pretending to fight against identity politics. But really, they're in a fake wrestling match to distract you from the fact that they're ramming a gigantic... Red, white, and blue, you know what, up your you know what. It's screwing you over. Okay? And that's what RFK is all about. And the man speaking my language. Despite the fact that I disagree with a lot of other stuff. And I imagine I'm not the only one. Okay? Um, you know, RFK is pretty popular with the MAGA crowd. He's 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 pretty popular with the independents, you know. And there's actually a new poll that shows He's somewhat popular with Democrats, actually. In a recent poll from USA Today, uh, Kennedy received 14% of, of, of... Now, this was a poll taken exclusively of, of people that voted for Biden in 2020. And Kennedy just announced his, his candidacy yesterday. And he's polling at 14%, double digits. Whereas the only other Democrat that's entered the race, Williamson... Only got 5%. Okay, so so he's just announced his campaign. And a lot can change over the next few months. And needless to say, I think the Democrat primary debates are going to be pretty, pretty interesting. And I'm very excited for it. Now, be sure to smash that rumble button, baby. We got 60 likes. Okay, 60 likes. We're doing pretty good. But let's try to get up to 100, baby. And I got... One or two more stories for you guys. Let's talk about this one. So we just talked about the DNC a little bit. You know, we talked about the Democrats. Let's talk about this. Speaking of the DNC, we got a story about old potato head Mark Elias. Now, as you know, recently the DNC parted ways with Mark Elias, apparently over strategic disagreements, but we never got a real reason. And it was very strange because I think everybody knows there's more to that story. You know, this is the guy, Mark Elias, that fought every election challenge since 2020. He was right next to Katie Hobbs fighting Kerry Lake. He, he, he's been filing lawsuit after lawsuit to block voter ID laws and continue ballot harvesting and mail-in voting. Okay? This is the man that was behind the infamous Steele dossier. He's Hillary Clinton's prized attorney. He's been the DNC star player for years. And suddenly they part ways with one of their best attorneys? I mean, something's not adding up there, so what gives? And I think some of us were skeptical that perhaps the reason the DNC parted ways with Mark Elias was to distance themselves from an upcoming scandal. And perhaps this is our answer. So Mark Elias got hit with an FEC complaint. Um or a, a, a complaint to the FEC from a, um, an anti-Biden super PAC alleging that effectively he misreported $5.2 million in payments regarding election recounts. 
According to FEC filings, the DCCC, the DCCC paid Elias Law Group, a Democrat election law firm led by Mark Elias, a total of $5.2 million in recount legal services in 2021 and 2022. The Political Action Committee alleged in its complaint the payments were made despite no pending federal election recounts at the time. The Super PAC has also forwarded its complaint to the DOJ. <laughs> Good luck with that. Claiming that the payments were incorrectly reported and possibly violate campaign finance laws. The FEC notified the committee on Monday that it received the complaint, would notify the respondents and inform the complaint, the, the complainant on its final actions. Notification of receipt of a complaint is the first step in the FEC's process of handling a complaint, and subsequent stages, such as investigation into the complaint, must be approved by four of the six FEC commissioners. So we're going to have to see whether or not the FEC actually <coughs> decides to pursue this. But in essence, it appears that the DCCC paid Mark Elias $5.2 million for recount legal services when, in fact... There was no pending recounts at the time. So what was that $5.2 million for? Why did they pay Mark Elias $5.2 million? It could be, it could be a little bit of money laundering. Or maybe a little quid pro quo. Or maybe they were having a little pizza party, if you know what I mean. And maybe Obama was there and ordered a bunch of hot dogs, if you know what I'm saying. $5.2 million is a lot of money, even if there was a recount. I mean, that's like close to what it cost to do the entire Arizona audit. So $5.2 million they gave them, and there's no record of where that money went. It's pretty shady, don't you think? So we don't know if this is uh, why the DNC parted ways with Mark Elias, but it could be. It could be. And so we'll have to wait and see how this plays out and whether or not the FEC is actually going to investigate this. Now, I've got one more story for you. So let's talk about this IRS whistleblower. So there's a whistleblower from the IRS that has informed Congress that they want whistleblower protection and they want to come forward and share information about how the DOJ is handling the Hunter Biden tax investigation in a partisan manner. <gasps> Wait a second. So you mean to tell me that Hunter Biden is under investigation for alleged tax fraud and his daddy controls the DOJ, the entire DOJ, and the DOJ is handling that investigation in a partisan manner? No. No, it can't be. It can't be because that would be corruption. Come on. Tell me something I don't know. All right? Biden is using his political power to influence the special counsel investigation in Delaware, and we all, all know it. Okay? We, we learned from a leak from that investigation that they were going to offer him a sweetheart deal and charge him with maybe minor tax and gun charges and offer him basically community service and, you know, just put out a PSA that says don't smart, smoke uh, Parmesan cheese and everything will be hunky-dory. You know, they're going to let him off the hook. When we know, and James Comer just alerted the American people, that after looking at the SARS reports, the suspicious activity records, the bank records that the Treasury tried to withhold for a long time, they finally got it from a subpoena, that over nine Biden family members are involved in a gigantic influence peddling and money laundering scheme and have enriched, enriched themselves to the tune of millions of dollars. Okay, so the DOJ, they've, been, they've had the Hunter Biden laptop since 2019. Hunter Biden was under investigation Tax and for, for tax fraud since before that, and years go by, and nothing has happened. So, of course, of course, they're handling it in a partisan manner. Rules for thee, but not for me. Right? We got all this stuff coming out about Joe Biden uh, taking his son and brother to Ireland to meet with a CEFC executive, the Chinese energy company, to broker a deal between Russia and China in a hotel room, and then they wire-transferred uh, Hunter Biden, Jim Biden, and a couple other Bidens, $4.8 million and said hold 10% for the big guy after they met in a hotel room. They got all this, but yet we're going after Trump for maybe banging a prostitute. Rules for thee, but not for me. But anyway, so this whistleblower wants to come forward. 
And this whistleblower is a career IRS criminal supervisory special agent who has been overseeing the ongoing and sensitive investigation of a high-profile controversial subject since early 2020. Now, the whistleblower doesn't specifically name Hunter Biden, but that's who he's talking about. And we know that. Okay. Now, (coughs) so here's what the attorney for the whistleblower who is unnamed says. My client has already made legally protected disclosures internally at the IRS through counsel to the U.S. Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration and to the DOJ Office of Inspector General. The protected disclosures, one, contradict sworn testimony to Congress by a senior political appointee, two, involve failure to mitigate clear conflicts of interest uh, in the ultimate deposition of the case, and three, detail examples of preferential treatment and politics improperly infecting decisions and protocols that would normally be followed by career law enforcement professionals in similar circumstances if the subject were not politically connected. So basically, this uh, this whistleblower has already gone to various agencies, including the IRS, to disclose this information, but nothing's been done about it. So now they want to come forward to Congress, and it'll give Congress James Comer and the House Oversight Committee the chance to put it all on blast. All right, so th- there's that. We don't. The whistleblower hasn't come forward yet, but they are going to. Now, if you guys could do me a favor and smash that rumble button, I'm going to ask you one more, one more time. Smash that rumble button, baby, because, uh, well, shucks, it would just mean a lot to me. And also, check out MyPillow.com. Enter promo code Nick. You can get the MyPillow 2.0. Buy one, get one free when you use promo code Nick. You can also get the luxurious Giza Dreams bed sheets. And save 50%. You can get them as low as $29.98. And you can also get the My Mattress Topper 2.0 as well. I love Mike Lindell, man. I really do. I love Mike Lindell. I hate the PCAPs, but the man is a great patriot. And uh, his heart, I, I believe his heart is in the right place, man. You know, Mike Lindell's got this defamation suit with Fox News. And here's going to be the difference between Mike Lindell and Fox News. So Fox News, Dominion subpoenaed the phone records and found that Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram and Sean Hannity and Rupert Murdoch were behind the scenes talking trash about election fraud claims and saying Sidney Powell is a kook and a nut and she's full of shit and she's batshit crazy and basically indicating that they didn't actually believe what they were airing on their network. Now, when Dominion looks at Mike Lindell's text messages it's going to be a whole different story because Mike Lindell actually wholeheartedly believes everything that he's been fighting against. Okay. You can't fake that. I don't care whether or not people like there's people that think Mike Lindell's a liar. I don't think that for a second. And I will be vindicated in the the dominion defamation suit with Mike Lindell. When it is shown that Mike Lindell does not have these type of text messages and to me, what matters is a person is authentic and their heart is in the right place. So PCAPs aside, I respect and support Mike Lindell. And, uh, you know, it's not, Mike Lindell's not out there saying, you know, to his attorneys, hey, I know these PCAPs are bullshit, but, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to sell some pillows here, baby. It's all a big grift, like Fox News was doing. You're not going to see that with Mike. So... <laughs> Mike Lindell, nonetheless, has to pay $5 million, apparently, to one of the experts that attended in Sioux Falls, and this marks another attempt um, to hurt him financially. And this is a man who's put a lot of his own money up to support many, 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 many of the grassroots and the people that have filed election challenges, including Kerry Lake. So if you want to support Mike Lindell, go to MyPillow.com, enter promo code Nick. And uh, if not, okay, that's that's your decision. All right, well, I'm getting tuckered out. This is uh, this will conclude our show for the week. Actually, perhaps I might do another show on the weekend because my wife's going to Alabama for our our niece's birthday, and I'm I'm staying back, take care of the dogs and whatnot. So I'm actually going to have the house to myself. And one of two things is going to happen here: either one, I'm going to be like, you know what, I got a day to myself. I'm going to relax. 
recharge my batteries and uh, do something for myself or or I'm going to be home alone and I'm going to be bored and I'm going to be like, you know what? What if we just did a live stream? Yeah, that'll, you know, something's going to call me. There's going to be a big news story and I won't be able to help myself. So perhaps I'll be back before Monday. We'll have to see. We'll have to see how it plays out. But nonetheless, please smash that rumble button and share this broadcast to your friends and family. We've got to get more eyes on, on, on the truth, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> and we've got to get the, the Nick Moseter channel a little help. Okay, because we got, we got our core base, man, but we've got to expand. We've got to expand. And Rumble, <laughs> it's hard, man. It's hard being on Rumble. It's hard being on Rumble. I love you, Rumble, but shoo, man. You got some improving to do. Let's just put it that way. All right, thanks, guys, for watching. I'm going to shut this down, and I will see you next time.